I'll look at this book, and maybe the way I look at it is it's, it's a great book, maybe that you should read, especially if you're young, maybe if you're hoping someday to be married. I think the example of Ruth and Boaz are incredible. I'll be honest with you, they're incredible. I'd love to be just like Boaz. If you're a lady, I believe you should be loved, like to look and be like Ruth. These two individuals in the Bible are certainly models of Christianity or the faith. Again, not necessarily New Testament faith, but the faith of the scriptures. And again, we're going to just look at some more thoughts on Ruth and Boaz here tonight. Uh, last week, we, I mean, two weeks ago, I guess it was, we looked at how grace and work brought hope and help to a poor and struggling family. Uh, we looked at how Ruth went to work, how she desired to go to the work, how she helped her, her family there, and how Boaz uh, showed himself to be a man of grace. Again, as he shows that in chapter 2, uh, gives to uh, Ruth and to others, again, words of grace, and again, provision of grace, and uh, again, shows again, very much grace to a stranger. And uh, again, uh, Ruth chapter 2, great chapter that deals with, again, uh, her looking for someone who would show grace and how God allowed her to run into um, Boaz there. It says that in Ruth chapter 2, verse number 2, it says, Then Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him, in whose sight I shall find grace. And she said unto her, Go, my daughter. And uh, we find again her going and working there in the fields, coming back home, uh, finding provision and all those kinds of things, deciding there to uh, work in those fields etc. And uh, we'll go ahead and pick up in Ruth chapter 3 here tonight, and we'll consider here tonight how Naomi helped bring Ruth and Boaz together. How Naomi helped bring Ruth and Boaz together. Ruth chapter 3, verse number 1, it says, Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said unto her, My daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee, that it may be well with thee? And now, is not Boaz of our kindred, with whose maidens thou hast, uh, thou wast? Uh, behold, he winnoweth barley tonight in the threshing floor. Wash thyself, therefore, anoint thee, and put thy raiment upon thee, and get thee down to the floor, but make not thyself known unto the man, until he shall be done eating and drinking. And it shall be when he lieth down that thou shalt mark the place where he shall lie. And thou shalt go in and cover his feet and lay thee down. And he will tell thee what thou shalt do. And he said unto her, All that thou sayest unto me I will do. And she went unto the floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law bade her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of corn, and, he, and she came softly and uncovered his feet and laid her down. It came to pass at midnight that the man was afraid and turned himself, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. And he said, Who art thou? And she answered, I am Ruth, thine handmaid. Spread therefore thy skirt over thine handmaid, for thou art a near kinsman. And he said, Blessed be thou of the Lord, my daughter. For thou hast shown me more kindness in the latter end than at the beginning, inasmuch as thou followest not after young men, whether uh, poor or rich. And now, my daughter, fear not, I will do to thee all that thou requirest. 
for all the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. And now it is true that I am thy near kinsman, howbeit there is a kinsman nearer than I. Tarry this night, it shall be in the morning, that if he will perform unto thee the part of a kinsman, well, yet him do the kinsman part, let him do the kinsman part, but if he will not be part of the kinsman unto thee, then I will do the part of the kinsman to thee, as the Lord liveth, lie down until the morning. And she lay at his feet until morning, and she rose up before one could know another. And he said, Let it not be known that a woman came into the floor. And he said, Bring the veil that thou hast upon thee, and hold it. And when, he ha when she held it, he measured six measures of barley, and laid it on her, and she went into the city. And when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, Who art thou, my daughter? And she told all that the man hath done unto her. And she said, These six measures of barley gave he me. For he said unto me, Go not empty unto thy mother-in-law. Then said she, Sit still, my daughter, until thou know how the matter will fall. For the man will not rest until he hath finished the thing this day. I want to look at this thought here tonight, how Naomi helped bring Ruth and Boaz together. Let's pray as we consider this thought. Father, thank you again for your word here today, and thank you again for the opportunity that we have, uh, again, to be a part of a family. Again, as we see how this family came together, I pray that you could help us to understand this is how a family maybe will come together in some cases, and how, again, it may be normal or natural for there to be someone uh, there to maybe help for a family to come together. And again, just bless this time as we meet here again tonight. Help us to study and rightly divide the word of truth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. How Naomi helped bring Ruth and Boaz together. Now, we know about matchmakers, right? You've heard about matchmakers, people that try to bring people together. And again, sometimes, again, someone might see someone and say, you know, you and so-and-so belong together, or should get together, or maybe you should get to know each other, whatever it might be. And sometimes there are what I call meddling matchmakers. I could name one years ago back in Fargo Baptist Church. If you ever sat near a girl or you talked to a girl, it seemed like this guy would be there to say, hey, you know, you guys, you know, and you're just like, are you kidding me? Are you crazy? You're wild. Yes. This guy was known for a lot of talking and uh, certainly being involved sometimes in trying to be a matchmaker, trying to put two and two, uh, one and one together, or two and two together. And again, so sometimes you think of matchmakers or people that try to bring people together in a negative fashion. You might think, okay, I don't want anybody involved with picking my spouse because I want to pick my spouse. It's my choice on who I pick for a spouse, etc. And so don't get involved with the matter, etc. And so someone might be of that persuasion or nature, and I get that. Uh, because you might be uh, thinking, you know, matchmakers are all the meddling kind and that sort of thing. But I want to mention here tonight that God, I, mean, I believe he can bring people together. And how sometimes people are involved with bringing people together. Again, I don't know of any situation that I could site here tonight, but there, I believe there are thousands, maybe millions of situations where family members were involved with trying to bring uh, two good people, two good-natured people together. 
Certainly not all marriage relationships begin with some helpful person coming along trying to bring people together, but sometimes they do. And so we see this in the Bible. So I want to look at, first of all, here tonight is an introductory thought, how God brought Adam and Eve together. Let's turn back to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, I just want to mention here tonight as we look at how God or someone might bring two people together. Again, it's, I believe, good for people to come together as a family. It's a natural thing. It's a normal thing. It's a biblical thing. And so, again, this getting together may come by different means. But uh, in Genesis chapter 2, the first family came together as God brought this family together. Genesis chapter 2, let's begin in verse number 18. Genesis 2, verse 18, the Bible says, And the Lord said, It is not good that the man, that's Adam, should be alone. I will make a help meet for him. And out of the ground the Lord formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them on to Adam to see what they should call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was a name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle and all fowl of the air and every beast of the field, but for Adam, there was not found a help meet for him. The Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of the ribs and closed up the flesh thereof, and, and, and the rib which the Lord had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And so in the first family, we see in the Bible that God came along and put this family together. God was a matchmaker. God took and, and created a help that helped me, to, a person to help and assist Adam in his life, and that was Eve. A perfect match, a perfect family. They're brought together by God. God, in this case, was the matchmaker. He created this woman for the man and this man for the woman. William Shakespeare said this, he said, God is the best maker of a marriage. God is the best maker of a marriage. He can bring two people, maybe even somewhat different, of different backgrounds together. Let's turn to Proverbs chapter 19. God is sometimes a matchmaker. God is sometimes involved with bringing people together. And again, someone again might say, I don't need any help, again, there's no need for this, but, you know, I think of uh, the relationship I have with my wife. God is the person that brought us together. Why would someone from Sioux Falls, South Dakota, marry someone from Dickinson, North Dakota? Well, they're brought together through salvation and then through a church and through ministry and through working and getting to know each other. God brought me and my wife together. And so God was involved, at least in part, in our marriage relationship bringing us together. Proverbs chapter 19 here, verse number 14, the Bible says, Houses and riches are the inheritance of fathers, and a prudent wife is from the Lord. So if one gets a prudent wife, it's from who? It's from the Lord. It's good for God to be involved with bringing people together. God knows what we need, and God can bring someone that can be a help fit for us as a man, or we can be that help meet if we're a lady, again, in the situation. God is involved in a lot of Christian marriages. God brings many people together through salvation and then brings them together as a family. 
Turn to Genesis chapter 24. It's good for God to be involved in putting a family together. I think it would be good for, again, a family to be created and put together, again, in, in whatever way God would want them to come together. Number two, as we think about, again, being brought together, which I say secondly here, is good for a family member, possibly to be involved in bringing family members together, to bring a family together. Again, this is a very, uh, I, I suppose, a, a very regular place that people go in, in looking how families brought together, at least if you're talking about the Bible. And uh, in Genesis chapter 24, we find, again, a, a family Again, brought together through Abraham's help and also the help of a servant. In Genesis 24, verse number 1, it says, And Abraham was old and well stricken in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said unto his eldest servant in the house that ruleth over his, his, uh, all that he hath, Put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh, and I will make thee swear by the Lord, the God of heaven, the God of earth, that thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I dwell. But thou shalt go to my country, to my kindred, and take a wife unto my son Isaac. And so we see here another relationship formed in the Bible. Adam and Eve were brought together by God. We see here, secondly, in the Bible, Isaac and Rebekah were brought together largely through a father's intervention and a good servant's help. In verse number 12 of this chapter, we'll skip through part of this. You're familiar with it. We'll read uh, verse number 12. It says, and he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, I pray thee, send me good speed this day and show kindness unto my master Abraham. And so you see a prayerful servant being sent out to find Isaac, a wife. Not of the Canaanites, but of the family there and kindred of Abraham. A lot of work, a lot of travel, a lot of miles. Look at verse number 27, it says. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who hath not left destitute my master of his mercy. And it's true, I being in the lad, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. So here's a prayerful servant being led of God to this household. And then him finding this household, this lady by the name of Rebecca. It says, And the damsel ran and told thee of her mother's house these things. And Rebecca had a brother, and his name was Laban. And Laban ran out unto the man, unto the well. I'm going to skip through a lot of this. Verse number 49, it says, And now if you have... You will deal kindly and truly with my master. Tell me, and if not, tell me. Then I turn to the right hand or the left. Then Laban and Bethel answered and said, The thing proceedeth from the Lord. We cannot speak unto thee bad nor good. Behold, Rebecca is before thee. Take her and go and let her be thy master's son's wife, as the Lord has spoken. It came to pass that when Abraham's servant heard these words, he worshipped the Lord bowing himself to the earth. And the servant brought forth jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment and gave them to Rebekah. He gave them also to her brother and to her mother precious things. And when they did eat and drink, the men were 
with them. They tarried all night, and they rose up in the morning and said, Send me away unto my master. And her brother and her mother said, Let the damsel abide with us a few days, at least ten. After that she shall go. And he said unto them, Hinder me not, seeing the Lord that prosper me the way. Send me away that I may go to my master. And they said, We will call the damsel and inquire at her mouth. And they called Rebekah and said unto her, Wilt thou go with this man? And she said, I will go. And they sent away Rebekah, their sister, and her nurse, and Abraham's servant, and his men. And they blessed Rebekah and said unto her, Thou art our sister. Be the mother of thousands of millions, and let thy seed possess the gate of those that hate them. And Rebekah rose in her damsel, and they rode upon the camels, and followed the man, the servant took Rebekah and went his way. Here we see in the Bible, Rebekah brought to Isaac. Rebekah brought there to be his wife. Was this her choice? Maybe not. To begin with, it certainly wasn't. She didn't know anything about Isaac, didn't know about him at all. In fact, uh, again, from this account in the Bible, they had just met each other, at least the servant and and the family there, but Rebecca was given a choice to marry Isaac. Someone might say this was arranged marriage. In some ways, yes, but she consented to it. In verse number 58, wilt thou go with this man? And she said, I will go. It's good for a family to be put together by God. It's good for a family to be brought together maybe by family members. And you'll see in this verse here, as you read the last part of this verse, it says, And Isaac brought her unto his mother, Sarah's tent, and took Rebekah. She became his wife, and he loved her. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. And so, again, a good marriage relationship established here. Again, two people of like faith brought together, Isaac and Rebekah. And through an Isaac and Rebekah, you see again, a godly seed produce. And so, how was Ruth and Boaz's family brought together? Well, let's go back to Ruth, chapter 3, verse number 1 and 2. A caring and considerate mother-in-law was involved. Oh, there were mother-in-laws involved. Mother-in-laws are bad. They're never good. Uh, again, this is, this is a different situation. Again, certainly, again, a caring Person, You see this in the words here in Ruth chapter 3, verse number 1 and 2. There were two things, again, that Naomi wanted for Ruth. And they could be found in a family, and they could be found in marriage. Ruth chapter 3, verse 1, it says, And Naomi, her mother-in-law, said unto her, My daughter, shalt I seek rest for thee, that it may be well with thee? Why is a family? Why should there be a family? If Naomi's right here, and I believe she is right here, it says there's rest in a family. She wanted this young window to find rest in a family. She also wanted there in verse number one that it, it would be well with her. There's well-being in a family. Naomi was interested in Ruth's well-being. The truth is, she just didn't want two people thrown together. But she wanted two to be brought together. Ruth's relationship with Boaz was created in part through Naomi here as a helpful mother-in-law. 
And so we see again a caring, considerate Naomi wanted Ruth to find rest in a family, a new family, a different family. And so she began to make a plan for this. And so we see, uh, fourthly here, a motherly plan to bring this family together. In verse number two, it says, And now it is Boaz, our kindred, with whom's maintenance thou wast. Behold, he winnoweth barley tonight in the fleshing, uh, threshing floor. Wash thyself, therefore anoint thee, and put thy raiment upon thee, and get thee down to the floor. But make not thyself known unto the man until he hath done eating and drinking. And it shall be when thou liest down, that thou shalt mark the place where he lieth. And thou shalt go in and uncover uh, his feet, and lay thee down, and he will tell thee what thou shalt do. So she sets a plan in place for her to follow. She basically says, get yourself cleaned up, get yourself presentable, and go to him. Present yourself as a candidate for marriage. Now this is unusual. I understand that this is not uh, normal. If you look at the Bible, not all marriages are put together the same way here. But this is a diligent lady of a humble background, Again, charactered in person, this presented herself as a marriage candidate to a man of grace, to a man of grace. Again, this is an unusual relationship in many ways also because there's also involved in this relationship the thought of a kinsman redeemer. We'll look at that in just a moment. But we find here Naomi involved in helping bringing this family together. We see also there this trusting daughter decides to go along with this plan of her mother. It says there in verse number six, and she said unto her, all that thou sayest unto me, I will do. And she went down on the floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law bade her. Now, I just want to mention this. This is a spiritual mother-in-law. This is a spiritual person involved. This is not just some matchmaker that says, oh, you two, you look so cute together. This is not someone, again, who's in a the situation where she's just trying to bring two people together. But you see in this passage of scripture that she openly was seeking to uh, bring these two together. And again, you see this daughter here trusting in this plan. She's trusting this plan, I believe, in part because she has a spiritual mother-in-law. In fact, let's look at verse number 20. It says, And Naomi said unto her daughter-in-law, Blessed be he, uh, be he of the Lord who hath not left off his kindness on the living and the dead. So this isn't just anybody, again, trying to again, be involved with this situation here. Here's a mother-in-law spiritual that sees God's hand, again, and what's happening as they come back here to, or she comes back, and uh, Ruth comes back there for the first time to this, this Bethlehem, to, to again, the, the land of promise, to uh, God's land there. But uh, in, in finding this situation here, I see again someone that's willing again to be involved with, again, encouraging someone in the right direction when it comes to marriage. And uh, we see this in this, this passage of Scripture in the Bible. Now, should, be, should parents be involved? It's just a good question to ask. Should parents be involved at all in, in trying to uh, maybe encourage your children towards at least a kind of mate? Let's turn to uh, Judges chapter 14. Now, I know some would say you're off to meddling. 
and you're, uh, you know, you know, it's certainly, again, if you're going to marry someone and marry someone for life, you know, parents uh, just need to take a hands-off approach to this thing. Um, but I believe, again, it's okay for parents to be involved, especially encouraging their children to, to marry, I believe, within the, their faith system. I'm not saying, again, you pick out who to marry, but someone within our faith system. Someone says, well, I, I disagree with that. I think they should just, you see a pretty girl, you just marry them. You see a handsome guy, you just go out and marry them. You see someone, again, who's maybe rich, uh, you marry that person or whatever it might be. Judges chapter 14, verse number one, it says, And Samson went to Timnath and saw the women of Timnath, of the daughters of the Philistines. And he came up and told his father and his mother and said, I have seen a woman, Timnath, of the daughters of the Philistine. Now therefore get her for me to wife. Then his father and his mother-in-law said unto him, Is there never a woman among the daughters of thy brethren amongst all my people that thou goest to take a wife of the uncircumcised Philistines? And Samson said unto his father, Get her for me, she pleases me well. Here we see in the Bible, again, Samson make the choice of his life's mate, or his first mate. He says, this one pleases me well. And so he tells his mom and dad, I want to marry this gal. And so, again, he ends up marrying her. But uh, you see them in verse number three, they encourage him, in some ways, not to marry her. You say, why? It says right there, it says there, verse 3, Is there never a woman among the daughters of thy brethren or amongst thy people that thou goest to take a wife of these uncircumcised Philistines? And so he picks this lady and someone says, was this wrong? Well, look at verse number 4. Again, it's a little bit, uh, I don't know what you want to say. Let's just read verse number 4. It says, but his father and his mother knew not that it was of the Lord that he sought an occasion against the Philistines for that time the Philistines had dominion over Israel. Again, this relationship, this marriage relationship would bring the Philistines and the Israelites together in a marriage relationship would, which would be very messy there. You see this in this chapter. Uh, verse number five, it says, Then went Samson down and his father and his mother to Timnath and came to the vineyard of Timnath, and behold, a young lion roared against them. And uh, verse number uh, 7, it says, And he went down and talked with the woman. She pleased Samson well. And after that time, he returned to take her, and, and he turned aside the carcass. And uh, verse number, I'm going to skip through a little bit. Verse 10, So his father and, uh, went down unto the woman, and Samson made their feast, and uh, for so uh, used to men to do. And so there's a relationship established, a marriage relationship established. Who was involved with making the choice? Samson was. Did the father and mother were involved with making the choice? They tried to, but sometimes you can't, again, help someone made with the choice. Did everything turn out well with this story? Well, look at verse number 20 of this chapter. I'm not going to read through it. You know what happened here, but there was just a mess that occurred here. It says, but Samson's wife was given to his companion when he used to be his friend. Again, there just a lot went wrong in this situation. Uh, you say, why did things go wrong? Because he really didn't pick from really a spiritual pull that was before him, but chose rather to pick this worldly Philistine gal instead. God should be involved, I believe, in helping us choose a partner, and certainly family members should be 
involved with that if they're spiritual people and led of the Lord. Let's turn back to Ruth chapter 3. We see again here a dutiful and trusting daughter partaking her mother, mother's, again, plan to go to Boaz to basically propose to him. Now this is a little bit, maybe someone would say backward, but this is what happens here. In verse number 7 it says, Then Boaz had done eating and drunk, and his heart was merry, and he went to lie down at the end of the heap of corn, and he came in softly and covered his feet and laid her down. And it came to pass at midnight that the man was afraid and turned himself, and behold, a woman at his feet. And he said, Who art thou? And she answered, I am Ruth, thy handmaid. Spread therefore thy skirt over thy handmaid, for thou art a near kinsman. Again, this is, again, a different way of somewhat getting in a marriage relationship for sure. But you see again here, Ruth, in a sense, asked to be in this relationship with him. Would you take me to be your wife? As a lady, this was maybe odd or unusual, but it was kind of a proposal of sorts. But it was also just following the scriptures and what she was supposed to do and what he might also do. Let's keep your marker here, but let's turn back to Deuteronomy chapter 25. This marriage proposal was unusual, but it followed after a biblical kind of a pattern. When someone didn't have children and, and was married and lost, again, their, their husband or wife, I mean, in this situation, in, this, in, in a marriage, a first marriage, uh, they lost that situation, didn't have children. You'll see here in the Bible there was a remedy to having a, a kindred or following that would follow them. Uh, verse number 5, it says, Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 5, it says, If brethren dwell together and one of them die and have no child, the wife of that dead shall not marry without unto a stranger. Her husband's brother shall go in unto her and take here to him to wife and perform the duty of the husband's brother unto her. And it shall be that the firstborn which she beareth shall succeed in the name of his brother which is dead, that his name be not put out of Israel. If the man like not to take his brother's wife, then let his brother's wife go up to thy gate unto the elders and say, My husband's brother refuses to raise up his brother a name in Israel. You will not perform the duty of thy husband's brother. Then the elders of the city shall call him and speak unto him. And if he stand to it, and he said, I will not take her, to, uh, take her, then shall his brother's wife come unto him in all the presence of the elders and loose his shoe from off his foot and spit in his face and shall answer and say, So shall it be done unto the man that will not build up his brother's house. And his name shall be called in Israel in the house of him that hath his shoe loose. Again, just unusual. I understand that. But again, in the Bible, they had what we would call a family redeemer or a kinsman, redeemer. When someone was not able to have children with maybe a husband to begin with, and the wife was left behind as a widow, again, a brother would come in and have a relationship with that wife, and the marriage would be formed. 
and children hopefully would be born and there would be raised up a name for that brother who had died before. But let's turn back to Ruth chapter 3. In this situation, the Bible, he was part of the kinsman redeemer family unit there, Boaz was. Ruth proposed this situation that he might be this kinsman redeemer, but there was a problem. This is what I want to look at in verse number 10 and verse number 11. Ruth's problem or Boaz's problem here, we find here verse number 10, it says, and he said, blessed be thou the Lord, my daughter, for thou hast showed more kindness in the latter than on the beginning, inasmuch as thou followest not after young men, whether rich nor poor, or poor or rich. And now, my daughter, fear not. I will do to thee all that thou requirest. For all the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. And now it is true that I am thy near kinsman. Howbeit there is a kinsman nearer than I. Tear this night. And it shall be in the morning that if he will perform unto thee the part of the kinsman, well... Let him do the kinsman part. But if he will not do the part of the kinsman to thee, then will I do the part of the kinsman to thee. As the Lord liveth, lie down until morning. And she lay at his feet until morning, and she arose up before one could know another. And he said, let it not be known that a woman came into the floor. So we see a problem here. Boaz and Ruth, I think they want to be married to each other. He would be delighted to marry her. And again, you find in the Bible, let's turn over to Proverbs chapter 11, Ruth is of an honorable reputation. He is of an honorable reputation. They both are, uh, again, you would say, a good type of a person as far as a person maybe that someone might marry. Uh, Proverbs chapter 11 here, and uh, verse number 14, uh, I think it was verse number 16 there. It says, uh, A gracious woman retaineth honor, and strong men retain riches. And so I believe you have in this situation a gracious woman. You have a godly man in this situation. But there's a problem. There's a kinsman that's closer than him. And so he would have choice in this situation. Uh, turn back to Ruth chapter 3 there. Boaz feels privileged to possibly be in this situation where he could... Mary Ruth, who is younger than her. And so I just want to mention sometimes, again, at least in this situation, again, uh, sometimes, uh, again, age is not a big uh, problem in, in a marriage relationship. Uh, again, you find, again, these two get together. Again, things work out, etc. But uh, you find also here in this passage of Scripture, again, in the situation, uh, there's a problem there. There's a rival of sorts. Again, that, in that rival of sorts, if that man wants to marry Ruth, it's done. Boaz is out of the picture. Boaz will not be able to marry her. Again, you'll find more about that in the next chapter. But we see also here in verse number 13 and, and uh, verse number 14, uh, Boaz's principle here. His principles, verse number 14, it says, And she lay at his feet until morning, and she arose before one could know another. And he said, Let it not be known that a woman came into the floor. And so he asked for her to keep this thing secret to herself, whatever it might be, to a large degree. And so this wasn't become public. He was a principled man, just like she was. In uh, Psalm chapter 112, if you're taking notes, it talks about, again, a, 
a man of discretion there. He'll guide his affairs with discretion. Psalm 112, verse number 5. We see here also in this passage of Scripture, even knowing that he may not be able to marry here, uh, you see Boaz is present here, verse number 15. It says, And he said unto her, Bring the veil that thou hast upon thee, and hold it. And when she held it, he measured six measures of barley, and laid it on her, and she went away into the city. He doesn't leave her off without a present. I think it's pretty neat there. He may never marry her. But yet he kindly, considerately gives her a present there. He's super nice. He's kind. He's considerate. He's helpful. He's caring. He's going to work on this matter quickly. At verse number 17 it says, And she said, These six measures of barley gave he to me, for he has said, Go not empty unto thy mother-in-law. And so you see his kindness there. He giveth more grace, the Bible says of God in James chapter 4, verse number 6. I think that's kind of a pattern for Boaz. He giveth more grace. More grace. Gave grace early on, gave grace now. Boaz shows himself to be truly a man of grace. He's a kind man, considerate man, helpful man, nice guy, etc. And then finally, I want to look at here, Naomi's patience and faith here. In verse number 17 and 18, and she said, she, uh, this is again, um, sorry, um, Ruth there, she said, uh, these six measures of barley gave her to me, uh, gave me, uh, gave he me, for he saith unto me, go not empty unto thy mother law Then she said, that's Naomi there, says, sit still, my daughter, until thou know how the matter will fall, for the man will not be in rest until he hath finished the thing this day. She must have knew a little bit about Boaz there. Boaz, again, there in this situation, going to settle this matter swiftly. He's going to find out and go to this person who is closer and kindred to him and, and seek out and find out if he's going to be a kinsman redeemer in this situation. Let's turn back to Ruth chapter 3 there. As we consider this thought here, how Naomi was used of God to help bring Ruth and Boaz together, we find here again a caring mother and a caring daughter. Ruth chapter 2, verse 2, it says, And Ruth the Moabite said unto Naomi, Let me now go to the field and glean ears in the corn after whom I shall find grace. And she said unto her, Go, my daughter. And you see in and Ruth, a very caring daughter. And you see a caring mother. You see that in verse, chapter 3, verse number 1 and 2, it says, And Naomi, her mother-in-law, said unto her, My daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee, that it may be well with thee? And now is not Boaz our kindred, with whom's maidens thou wast? Behold, he winneth barley tonight in the threshing floor. Wash thyself therefore, anoint thee, put on thy raiment, and get thee down to the floor, and make not thyself known unto the man until he shall be done eating and drinking. It shall be when he lieth on the floor, that thou shalt mark the place where he lie, and thou shalt go and cover his feet, and lay thee down, and he will tell thee what thou shalt do. And she said unto her, All that thou sayest unto me I will do. And she went down unto the floor, and did according to all that her mother-in-law bade her. You know, it was an act of faith for Ruth. To go to this place, we see again her, I believe, act in faith in this situation. 
Again, what can we learn from this putting together that God sometimes will use people to help bring people together? We can sometimes see God do this. I'm not saying he always does it, and I don't see always where someone's involved in, in this sort of situation. But again, we see in the Bible, again, God put these two together. And so we can see, again, how God will sometimes put people together. Boaz, a man of grace, Ruth, a lady of virtue, will come together here. We'll see this in the next chapter. But let's close as we consider this passage here tonight.